0: We <laughs> shall praise the Lord amen that song very interesting. Concerning that we're gonna and uh, that sweet by-and-by in the kingdom of God we're going to be united reunited on and that beautiful shore and that shore is a symbolic language for being in the kingdom crossing over from this physical world into that spiritual world amen and the spirit shall sorrow no more. Amen. Praise God. He is preparing us a dwelling place there. Amen. In the kingdom, in the future kingdom, the fullness thereof, and in paradise especially, a eternal dwelling place. Praise God. Let's go in prayer. Lord Heavenly Father. Happy Fiesta of Tabernacles. Thank you, Lord, for this great day, an appointed time for your people all around the world to gather together in like mind, in one accord, in one spirit, one body, one faith, one Lord, to serve you, to worship you, to obey you, to love upon you. And also for fellowship with one another that we be edified and encouraged in this very dark and wicked time that we are living in it is easy for people to get discouraged and burdened down with many heavy weights of trials and tribulations but if we were to put our eyes upon you our hearts and our minds and our speech upon you then our burdens are rolled away mentally emotionally spiritually we receive comfort from on high and strength and courage and encouragement we thank you Lord that you do provide all of that for us you are our Shepherd We do not need anything else. You are our shepherd. Your eyes were upon us. You love us, and we are even more of a treasure than a little bird. Your eyes are upon us. Praise your holy name. We ask, Lord Heavenly Father, your special protection and all of our brothers and sisters in Nigeria, in that islamic nation as they gather together for worship services today and other islamic and communist nations including australia and america where the nations have been taken over and conquered by communism by islam by nazism by the new world order the three sixes we thank you Lord that even in this troublesome time that you give us a measure of peace and comfort to see us through the storm and through the tribulation even as Psalm 23 describes and symbolizes for that time of the great tribulation you will see us through and even give give us green pastures and gentle flowing waters of life. Praise your holy name. Pray for your protection upon all of our brothers and sisters around the world and for your anointing upon them. is open our hearts, our ears, our eyes to see and to hear what you have for us today and every day. Please help us to let go of the darkness of deception. Help us to no longer be blinded to reality. Please pull back the curtains and show us the truth. Let us not be deceived on anything. So help us, God. Help us to give up those false doctrines. Help us to come all the way out of Babylon and to surrender all to you. We claim this service for you and for your church. We accept your presence and your anointing and your blessing upon it. We thank you for it. In Jesus' holy name we pray. So be it. Amen. 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 Praise God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Let's be turning to the book of Job in the book of Wisdom, and for people that might be joining us for the first time, we are reading from the Alpha and Omega Bible, which is a restoration of the original scriptures. Job chapter four, is we're going to where we're going to be starting our reading from today. Job four. This is page six of volume three. And for those that endure until the end, page four. For those, actually page six. Page six joke for for those that endure to the end of this sermon there will be a very special announcement very exciting giant announcement amen so stay tuned for that amen but not just for that very exciting and important announcement but also for the Word of God right here right now stay tuned amen and before we get into this reading here last night brother Gerald and my wife saw on the television on a TV show Riva. I wasn't paying no attention to it but they saw it both of them so there's two witnesses people camping inside on that TV show last night. People camping indoors in their home under blankets, bed covers. And for people that are on our MeWe social media group and a few others that may have gotten this notification, I had recommended for this year because we're under a lot of trials and tribulations that if you needed to camp at home, if you did not, could not afford or could not for any particular situation, if you could not go to a campground this year and be in a tent like we normally would every year, then, and if you couldn't go to a motel, if you couldn't go to a bed or breakfast, if you couldn't go somewhere else and had to stay home, but you did not have a yard, Camp in, if you had no yard or no big yard, big enough for a tent, then you could camp indoors or even trade houses. For some people in Algeria had recommended that they trade houses because there's plenty of people in the congregations, two different congregations, and plenty of people in those congregations, decent sizes, where they could trade houses. But if you could not trade houses or do any of these other things, you could camp indoors this year and just take, pull out some chairs in the middle of the room or something and throw bed sheets, blankets or something over that and make a little indoor castle, a little indoor tent like all of us, and a lot of us did when we were children, to throw a blanket over some chairs and crawl underneath it and we could sleep under those for these eight nights of the fiestas, seven nights for the great uh, uh, fiesta of Tabernacles, and then an eighth day, an eighth night called the last great day. So there it was. After I had recommended that for this year for some people to camp indoors under blankets, bed covers, bed sheets, Here people are doing that on the TV show last night. That's not coincidence. Amen. Amen. Why is that not coincidence? Because we are people of faith. We are spiritually believing. People of faith. What does that mean? That means we believe and trust in the power of of god so that when things happen like this that we don't give the credit to being air coincidence if you say something is coincidence and some things are coincidence sometimes if you just stump your toe or have a flat tire on your car or the car doesn't start or something else or you go to the store and the price, the total of your shopping at the grocery store at six dollars and sixty six cents, six six six. All these situations, they are normally generally just only coincidence. I used to work in restaurants and stores and it would ring up six sixty six often. Every now and then It had nothing to do with God speaking or the devil speaking. It was just coincidence. It's going to happen sooner or later. It happens all the time. Lord have mercy. And so, there are coincidences. You should not be saying there are no coincidences because it's a lie. There are coincidences that happen every day. But we are people of faith, which means. When your pastor is telling you that if you need to, you can camp indoors under bedsheets and then you see a TV show and they're camping indoors under sheets, you believe in the power of God to confirm his own word. You believe in the power of God to do anything as long as it is within his will. And it's not going against his law of nature, his law, his ways, his character. Amen. Lord help us. So we're we, we know it's not coincidence. Amen. So it confirms. His word, His will, His spirit, His presence in this ministry, which so many people tread underfoot and just throw away because they get upset over something, because they find out I'm human, because they find out that sometimes I'm a little absent minded or even contradict myself because I am a human. And I do change my mind, and I do make mistakes, and I do forget things, and I do overlook things. But how dare that I have any flaws. The people so easily throw away the kingdom amen people treat treat people treat treat uh, the um, ministry of God and the authority of God the work of God. As a, as a penny, one cent, one coin, the smallest coin that you can have, where people just drop it on the ground and not pick it up. So it's just a penny. I'm not going to be over and pick it up. People treat God's servants that same way. God's ministry, God's work, God's kingdom, God's truth is worth nothing more than a penny to them where it's here today and gone tomorrow. In That's less reality of the wicked world that we are living in. Nevertheless, we praise God for that confirmation, that miracle. And so that came to my mind again when I sang that song. Minutes to go in the sweet by and by, God is preparing us a dwelling place. Amen. Eternal dwelling place. Now, the Fiesta of Tabernacles that we are observe, <clears throat> observing this week <clears throat> is a autumn festival. We also have the fiestas, the festivals, the holy days in the spring for Passover, unleavened bread. Then in the summer we have Pentecost. And then in the fall of the year, we have the Day of Atonement, the Fiesta of Trumpets, the the Tabernacles, The Last Great Day. And then in the winter, we have Hanukkah, which is the festival of dedication. And then on the borderline of spring and winter, near the first day of spring, we have, in that time zone, we have uh, Parim, two days of Parim. But God is, a very happy joyous spirit and he's not against us enjoying life and having a good time and celebrating and rejoicing he's not against that and most people think once you get saved and once you come to Christ you must live a boring life crucify the flesh and not smile and not rejoice and not joke and not have a good time and not celebrate not do anything and everything is a sin that's A lot of Babylon is that way, and a lot of Babylonian people are that way. But God is a God of celebration. And these spring and these autumn festivals, they teach us about different seasons of life and about two different harvests of souls. First harvest of souls, the first resurrection, and the second harvest of souls, the second resurrection. And most people have never heard of a second resurrection, but it's very clearly in the Bible. But these holy days teach us about two resurrections, two harvests, two seasons, harvests of souls, and God's true plan of salvation revealed in those resurrections and in these holy days. And the holy days also teach us end-time prophecy and more. These holy days are extremely important. They teach us a whole lot about God, His Spirit, His will, and Scripture. The holy days are amazing, but yet the majority of mankind have no idea about the majority of these holy days, or what they mean, or what they've ever sent. Pretty sad for them. but very exciting for us that God has revealed His holy days to us. Simply because we read the Bible and believed it. Amen. You don't have to be a genius. You don't really even have to be saved to come to the knowledge of the holy days. There's plenty of people that know about the holy days, but they're not saved. All you got to do is read the Bible and see that the holy days are there, what they're called, and when to keep them, and just believe it instead of saying oh that's that's gone that's deleted that's done away and the Bible never said that that was just the pastor on the corner uh, of the street that said that that's just evangel uh, TV evangelists that's just the people that wrote the books the New York bestseller but that's not what Jesus said that's not what Paul said and Paul spoke against the wall he, he was very specific of the law of circumcision, and animal sacrifices, plain, unclean foods, and other things like that. He was specific in many cases. And sometimes he seemed like he was contradicting himself. Sometimes he wasn't very specific, but spoke in general terms to an audience that understood what he was saying, to an audience that understood that he was talking about legalism, Depending upon the law to save you, when in fact we're saved by the blood of Christ, by the sacrifice of Christ, by the Spirit of Christ, by God's Holy Ghost, by His presence, by His love, and not by our works. As many people keep the law and the commandments and the Sabbath and the holy days, but yet they sin by how they treat the pastor and by throwing away the ministry that God brought them to and by their greed and their love of money just like the Pharisees they knew the law and they kept the law but they didn't know the spirit of God Amen. so the law does not speak and the commandments do not say And that was what Paul was trying to get through to people. He was not against the keeping of the commandments. Amen. So some people think that Paul contradicted himself, and some people think I do. But the reality is, is that the people are not understanding the spiritual principles of what I have been saying and teaching spiritual principles the spiritual principles matter a whole lot more than the specific words you can read the Bible seven times and still not understand it in a spiritual level the Pharisees had read the Bible repeatedly they knew it back and forth and I've known people in my lifetime that had literally read the Bible seven times and really still did not understand the spirit of love and freedom and liberty and the passion and cure of just law 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 and there's a lot of people this way even people who don't even believe in keeping the commandments And yet they have that same spirit of being overjudgmental, over-condemning, and quick to the draw of pointing at other people's human flaws while ignoring their own. and uh, Being hypocritical. As Jesus described in the book of Matthew, chapter 7, that we should first remove the beam out of our own eye first before we can help remove the splinter out of somebody else's eye. We have to remove the giant flaw or actually sin because we're gonna have flaws. But we have to actually remove the giant sin from our own spirit first, before, and you've got to be saved and baptized first and keep the communion, the holy days first, before you go out there trying to save other people and lead other people to Christ. And people make this mistake all the time, constantly, constantly, constantly. People thinking that they are mighty in the Lord, that they are warriors of Christ, that there's some great gift from God to humanity with giant powers to call legions of angels to fight for them and for others when they're not even saved, they're not even baptized, they have never even kept communion before Uh, But yet, they have all this authority and they're better than I am and holier than I am. They never contradict themselves. They don't have no human flaws. They never forget anything. They are already perfect. They have already obtained to the perfection of heaven. They are the ones that are the hypocrites and the Pharisees. Amen. Amen. But God is still good to all of this. Praise God. Nevertheless, let's continue on with today's sermon. And today's sermon is called Temporary Things. Our trials and our sufferings, they are temporary, aren't they? Amen. Amen. The weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Every trial and tribulation you go through, remember this, it is temporary. It's going to be over with. People who commit suicide, they are in the mentality that their trials and troubles will never, ever, ever end. That all they need to do is get into their mind that everything is temporary. Amen. All your trials and your sufferings are temporary. and all you got to do is just get through that season, that season of trials and tribulations, even the great tribulation itself is temporary. Even as the book of Matthew 24 tells us that no flesh would be saved alive, no flesh would survive. All of humanity would completely be wiped out of existence, basically through nuclear war and chemical and biological war, and disease and famine and starvation no flesh would be left alive if God did not stop and put an end to the Great Tribulation that he will it, when it says cut short that does not mean reduce to less than what the Bible says that's absolutely ridiculous you got a lot of people out of there that think that the Great Tribulation will last only five months Because Matthew 24 says the great tribulation will be cut short, and then the book of Revelation describes a five-month period of time of the Antichrist that comes out of the bottomless pit torturing people on the earth with the locusts of metal, which is helicopters, biological warfare. Therefore, if I put those two verses together, the great tribulation lasts only five months, and we can just forget about the fifth seal, and the sixth seal, and the seventh seal, and the seventh trumpets, and the majority of the book of Revelation. We can just forget all of that and just rip out pages, chapter after chapter, of the book of Revelation because none of that's going to happen because it's cut short. What a stupid, ridiculous, knucklehead doctrine that people are believing in and teaching and posting. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That type of person is a fool. How can you believe such a foolish thing? That's like these people that believe that we are already in paradise right now. I, have, I, I Somebody actually told me that earlier this year, maybe it was, well, last year. We're in paradise. Oh, really? Oh, really? And some people believe that the thousand-year millennium reign is temporary, or not temporary, but uh, is symbolic, that there's not actually going to be a thousand years. Some people believe Jesus has already come back. Jesus already well-leading the kingdom right here. Oh, this is crazy stuff. Crazy stuff. And people actually believe it? Will God find intelligence when he comes back? I have to wonder. Will God find intelligence and wisdom when he comes back? It doesn't seem like it. Lord have mercy on us. Let's move forward. Let's move forward. Let's turn to the book of Job, chapter 4. Let's start in verse 19. Job 4, verse 19. But as for them that dwell in houses of clay, of whom we also are formed of the same clay, he smites them like a moth. Amen. And from the morning to evening, they no longer exist. They have perished because they cannot help themselves. But he blows upon them, and they are wilted. They have perished for lack of wisdom. When I prepared this sermon, I didn't even read none of these verses, except for only verse uh, 19. I didn't realize that it talked about these people perish from lack of wisdom, and yet I just got done talking about fools that have no wisdom, that have no intelligence. Amen. And yet, here it says, these people perish because of lack of wisdom. Now, I know that some people are just very critical and judgmental in their thinking. They always want to immediately think, oh, he's lying. He just said that because he wants to claim this divine revelation and to make us feel good about him and to draw us into his cult. A lot of people think that way. A lot of people think that way. Again, that is foolishness. I'm not gonna stand here in the presence of God to the congregation in the middle of a sermon, which is the word of God speaking through me, and, and, and lie to you and say something that's not true. I'm not that stupid. I fear God more than that. So I'm being honest with you when I say, that "I didn't read verse 20 and verse 21. I didn't know the context, and yet it is so awesome how God just confirmed everything I just said. God is good." So, our sister in Australia, you have to remind me about that, about saying you have no page numbers on the bottom of your volume three. Please text me later after the sermon, not right now. remind me that you need a new coffee because your coffee has flaws and it's been updated anyway anyway and here in uh, coming up maybe around December or so sometime around November or December we're really going to need to send everybody brand new copies of all the Bibles because everything's been updated anyway so you're going to need new update anyway so just don't even text me that sister in Australia because You're going to get a whole new set of Bibles anyway coming December and uh, the other updates available. So we'll just wait until then uh, to send you a whole set then. But you could, if you want to, in the bottom of that page of Job 4, verse 19, bottom of that page is page number 6, if you want to to write it in. Um, Most people, they don't have that problem. Uh, I think mostly everybody has page numbers on theirs but that's already fixed a long time ago a long long time ago that was fixed um, so this is awesome they perish for lack of wisdom and I believe that there's another verse too. I think it's a different verse that says my people, my people perish for lack of knowledge. That's a different verse. so That goes right, we need to reference that right here. My people perish for lack of knowledge. So we're going to add that in there. reference to that verse can be referenced right there once we find where that's at. And so that tells you the other verse I'm talking about tells you that not only are lost people. Uh, at risk of perishing because of lack of wisdom. But even people that come into the truth, even people that actually get baptized and keep the holy days and everything, even some of those, because it says in the other verse I'm referencing, thinking of, it says might perish for lack of knowledge. You might know a whole bunch, but you don't know everything. And you still perish because of what you still don't know it is important to know things a lot of people think that God is just going to overlook people's sins because we're ignorant well he's just going to overlook the Sunday worshipers he's just going to look overlook the Christmas worshipers he's just going to overlook the Easter worshipers because they don't know no better and they haven't heard the truth yet but the fact is the Bible says that previously he at one time had winked turned the blind eye to people because of ignorance but now but from now he commands everyone everywhere to repent That the bible says basically i might have some of the words slightly wrong but basically very close to that So, ignorance is not an excuse. Even his own people will perish for lack of knowledge. It is our own responsibility to seek the Lord and to seek truth, to want truth. And ignorance is not an excuse because God expects you to have the natural desire for truth. That's a natural instinct that God gave everyone. And if you deny God's Spirit, which is your natural instinct to speak truth and to want truth and to love truth and you deny that then you deny god there's no excuse for that there's no excuse in there and uh, victor says that's hosea 4 6 thank you victor Hosea 4.6, that my people will perish for lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6. So everybody can write that in there next to verse 21 so that it'll be there uh, for you next time you might come across that. can't reach my pink pen right now. Thank you. Hosea 4.6. But I'm going to get back to another point. Verse 19 talks about people living in houses of clay. So today, if I get focused now on temporary things, the fiesta of tabernacles, among many different things that it is teaching us, it is also teaching us tabernacles, temporary dwellings. A tabernacle, it can also be translated as booth. Some people call this the feast of booths. So this is talking about that for eight days we live in a temporary dwelling, a tent, a motel or something. And really it should be tents if at all possible so that you get the full meaning that the place that you dwell in is fragile, is easily destroyed, and you get that meaning a whole lot more when you stay in tent. And the original application of it was, the Bible says to take the tree limbs and build a basically like a survival shelter. Take the tree limbs and build a hut of just for just for the eight days. So it's a very temporary structure, and you don't have to be so legalistic to think that we literally have to build a survival shelter for. The Week of Tabernacles. That's the way they did it then, because back way back in the time of Exodus, there probably was no tents, or if there was tents, nobody hardly could afford them. Fact is, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were very rich men. And they could afford tents if they had them, I believe they did, but that they were rich. And most people could not afford a tent. So Got to understand that the more temporary the structure is, the more meaning it has. But not everybody today can get a chance. Not everybody can have the ability to go to a campground uh, or whatever your situation is. But temporary things is you got to think this week as you observe these days, not only rejoicing and celebrating and listening to the sermons and praying more and reading the scriptures, but also thinking about how temporary your dwelling place is. We're living in houses of clay. Brick, people think brick houses are permanent forever and forever. Well, the, uh, the the big bad wolf blew on the huts of straw and the straw Houses were destroyed. But when he blew on the houses of brick, it did not fall. But guess what? There have been tornadoes that wiped out entire neighborhoods of brick houses. There have been hurricanes that have wiped out entire neighborhoods of motels and houses built with brick and other solid materials. So, really, those houses that people trust in, on the earthquake fault line and on the beach and urban cities and nuclear war strike points, targets, such as San Diego, Washington, D.C., Savannah, Georgia, Omaha, Nebraska, and other places that are nuclear targets for Russia and China. These brick houses will not protect you in the coming great tribulation. Amen. Let's turn to Ezekiel 38 now. In the book of Prophets, volume number 4, Ezekiel 38. Now, for most of you, when you think of Ezekiel 38, immediately should come to mind World War III, Gog and Magog War, amen? Ezekiel 38, verse 18, is on page 134. Now, depending on when you got your Bibles, it might be page 134 or 135, somewhere in that area, Uh, because as as we continue to perfect and update and edit, The Alpha and Omega Bible, sometimes the verses might move a little bit farther up or down the page, moving it from page 134, between 134 and 135. So it's going to be different depending on when you got your Bibles. But Ezekiel 38, verse 19 through 22. Verse 19 all the way to verse 22, let's read that. Ezekiel 38, verse 19 says that my wrath, and my jealousy shall arise, and I have spoken in the fire of my anger. Truly in that day there shall be a great shaking in the land of Jezreel. And the fish of the sea shall quake at the presence of Jesus, and the birds of the sky, and the wild beasts of the field, and all the reptiles that creep upon the earth, and all the men that are on the face of the earth. And the mountains shall be ripped, and the valleys shall fall, and every wall. On their line every wall, every wall of the land shall fall, and I will summon against it even every fear. says Jesus, the sword of every man shall be against his brother, and I will judge him with pestilence and blood and sweeping rain and hailstones, and I will rain upon them, uh, rain upon him fire and brimstone upon all that are with him and upon many nations with him. And I will be magnified and sanctified and glorified and I will be known in the presence of many nations and they shall know that I am Jesus. Amen. Praise God. They will know that he is Jesus because the fake Jesus that the world worships is a wimp that never gets angry, that never offends, that never rebukes, that never punishes. He's only the God of mercy, grace, and love, and no law. And yet they still want to point the finger at you, condemning, condemning me, condemning you constantly. Ain't that right? Ain't that right? But all ever wall will fall when Jesus comes back on that day that the mountains, mountains were split into, even as Ezekiel 14 describes, that he should stand on the mountain of olives and the mountains were pleaded to. So on that day, every wall will fall. The Bible also describes even caves uh, falling in on people, or at least people wanting the caves to fall in on people to hide them from the face of God because they are so fearful of the Lord's return, because they know they are guilty. Amen. But the houses will not protect people. Amen. Let's go to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, we were talking about our homes, our houses, our dwelling places. But there's another meaning of tabernacles. The book of John tells us that Jesus came to tabernacle among us. That Jesus came to tabernacle among us as God in the flesh. And so that means that Jesus came into the human flesh as a tent and that the human flesh is a temporary place as well. 2 Corinthians 4, what, page number is that? 194. 194. Page 194. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. Give some people time to get there. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7 that we have this treasure in earthen earthly vessels let's go back to verse 6 verse 6 for theos who said light shall shine out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of theos in the face of Christ that we have this treasure and earthen vessels so that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of the and not of ourselves amen so we do have the treasure of the light of God the presence of God the Holy Ghost in us and these bodies are the temple of the Lord and this temple even just like the physical temple of bricks this temple is temporary amen this physical temple is temporary this is an earthly vessel that reminds me of pottery an earthen vessel is actually another term for pottery so we are the pottery he is the potter he is the master potter that creates these vessels of clay. Even if we read in Job that people dwell in clay. All of this is coming together, even more than I realized that it would, because God is confirming his own word. This clay vessel that we are tabernacle in, we are actually spirits, just like... Jesus came, and it was the soul of God, the spirit of God, inside a clay vessel. We are spirit, light, fire, and wind inside the clay vessel. So it is actually your soul is who you are and not your flesh. Your flesh is only a vessel, a container, a pottery pot that you dwell inside of, you are not your flesh. Amen. So our bodies are temporary, and we need to think about that and reflect about that during this tabernacles. That you are not your body, but your body is your temporary temple, your temporary tabernacle. And you should not fear death because when the body falls when the body ceases to exist you are not your body amen that should give you courage that should give you comfort to not fear death as far as in a negative way now of course we have the natural instinct God gave an instinct to survive The want to survive even self-descendant. So we're not talking about that, uh, that you shouldn't try to stay alive and you should just surrender. We're not talking about that. We're not saying that. But rather, when the time does come, after you have done everything to survive, when the time comes, then you should not fear death at that time. Amen. Let's go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 10, page 240. Hebrews 11, verse 10, page 240. Not only are our homes and our, and our bodies both temporary tabernacles, and they are temporary, But also, even the city we live in is temporary. Amen. Our modern cities are temporary. Hebrews 11 verse 10, talking about Abraham, he was looking for the city which has foundations, whose architect and builder is Theos. Amen. Abraham was a pilgrim he traveled he lived in tents he traveled he left his homeland he left his family to a land he did not know where he was going and but he was really looking ultimately ultimately his finish line his goal is paradise new Jerusalem new Jerusalem and this is what that's talking about in verse 10 the city which has foundations Whose architect and builder is God, that is talking about New Jerusalem, which no human will ever see in person until the new heavens and the new earth, meaning after a thousand plus one hundred years after Jesus returns, a thousand plus one hundred years after Jesus comes. Only then. Will people enter paradise? No one has ever entered paradise. No man has ascended up to heaven, and heaven is not paradise. Heaven is not paradise. Amen. If you look at Genesis one and two, where Adam and Eve was in the Garden of Eden, that actually originally said the paradise of Eden. The word paradise is the Greek and Paleo Hebrew word for garden the paradise of eden that was before sin entered into mankind that was before there was any curse upon mankind and there was no death within mankind and when you read revelation 20 and revelation 21 if you compare the first chapter first two chapters of the bible and the last two chapters of the bible in Genesis to Revelation, you compare the first two and the last two chapters. They're both talking about a paradise of no curse and no death and no tears and no pain and no sorrow and no sin and no wickedness. That is paradise. That is paradise. Okay. And that is the city, the new city. Of Jerusalem that shall descend out of heaven. God went to prepare us a place. He's building many mansions. If it were not so, then I would tell you so. He has gone to prepare us a place. He is building new Jerusalem in heaven, but we're not going to live in heaven. Heaven is not our home. The meek shall inherit the earth. The Bible says twice. The meat shall inherit the earth, not heaven. We're going to heaven only for the marriage supper, and then when we come down out of heaven to subdue the Islamic Nazi communist armies at the Battle of Armageddon, we're going to be fighting and killing people at the Battle of Armageddon. When we come to conquer and subdue the wicked, at the Battle of Armageddon, I think we live on earth for a thousand years, it says. Revelation 5, verse 10. So how do people think that we're going to be living in heaven? That's not in the Bible. That's never in the Bible. The Bible never, ever, 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 ever says that we're going to live in heaven. Never says it. The church of Satan, the synagogue of Satan, the Babylonian church has deceived people about almost everything, even the basics. You need to read the Bible and stop believing in the traditional fairy tales. That the traditional pastors have taught you without being able to back it up with Scripture. And when they do try to back it up with Scripture, they're twisting the Scripture. And it's really obvious that you've been brainwashed to easily drink the Kool Aid of David Line. How dare that we examine the deeper. Word of God and, and really understand what it says and look at the context and and cross reference it and try to find another verse to validate their interpretation. How dare we do any of that? Because they want us to stay only immature babies and not get into the deep things and not question anything and not second think anything and not reference anything and not study anything. I that's mean, uh, pretty ridiculous. But our even our cities are temporary. One of the reasons that God had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to stay on the move and continue from one town to another. That's what they did. They were pilgrims and they were strangers in the land. They had them moving. God had them moving because We need to learn that these physical homes that people live in is a false security. People pay hundreds of thousands of dollars for a home, and they think, well, they can live there during the Great Tribulation. People think that way. Well, I moved to a a better state. I moved to a conservative state and I live out in the country. I don't live in the urban city. I live in a rural area in a conservative state. So I can just stay home in the Great Civilization. Despite the fact that you're gonna have literally millions of Russian and Chinese soldiers going door to door, beheading people, even in the country and the city both, and you're gonna have famine and disease, and droughts and floods and hurricanes like never before. Oh yeah, but you can just stay home. You don't have to move. Because you know your mighty your mighty mansion, even if it is small, your mighty mansion is going to protect you. That is the mentality of a ton of people who keep the Sabbath they don't use any wisdom. When, when it comes to, well, well, okay, okay, Russia and China's gonna invade, they never think it through, what it's really and truly really going to look like. Soldiers, parachutes, machine guns, tanks, martial law, concentration camps, nuclear war, battles, Drones, helicopters, they never think it through. And they think they can just stay where they're at. But these cities and these grocery stores and these drug stores and the doctor's offices and the hospitals and the ambulance and the police and even the American military, all of it tempered. As far as the military structure that we see right now, that it will be preserved to some extent until we get into uh, the kingdom of God. And even then, so really the military absolutely is temporary. Amen. Let's go to the book of prophets now, the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 1. And I'll open right up to it, page 49, page 49, volume number four, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's chapter one. And now we're going to talk about temporary government kingdoms and nations Jeremiah 1 verse 10 verse 10 says God is speaking to Jeremiah he says behold I have appointed you this day over nations and over kingdoms to root out and to pour down and to destroy and to rebuild And to plant. Jesus is speaking to a 16 year old young man. Jeremiah was only 16 years old, they say, and I believe it, when God spoke this, because in biblical times, people didn't treat young men and young women. People didn't treat them like children. But today people will baby their 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 children until their twenties and thirties and forties. But God told this young man, Jeremiah, I have called you to destroy nations. Hang on. There's something really to think about. something to really think about. There are many different callings. We are all individuals. And so some people are called to fight in the military. And thank God for the men that fall. In the American Revolutionary War against the British, George Washington and his men, and other troops and other military units, even though many of them were barefoot and they didn't have uh, they didn't have modern technology and airplanes and missiles, they had to fight with primitive guns and face-to-face, and they had to fight with intelligence. They had to fight with their brains. They were barefoot and had primitive guns. They didn't have computers, modern technology, modern radios for communication, CBs, and whatever communication devices. They didn't have none of that. They had to use their brains. They had to be strategists, military strategists. They had to outsmart the enemy. They had to use wisdom. And the American revolutionaries, rebels against the British Empire, they had to be courageous and daring, and they had to be outlaws and they were very much outnumbered the, milit- the British military was huge the American revolutionaries there was a lot of them but compared to the size of the British they were actually small a very small military and the British did have more ammunition More guns and more men and more clothing and real shoes. The British were not barefoot. How was it possible that the Americans won? How is it possible? Have you ever thought about that? You got these barefoot men that are only small, small and very untrained men that many of them were not even even trained in the military very much at all most of them just volunteers. fighting a huge well-trained well-equipped well-clothed well-funded british empire how is it even possible that the americans won the americans which were not americans they were british That they won the war against the British Empire and they were rebels against authority against the law against tax they were rebels and all of us many Christians so-called Christians today even Sabbath keepers they would tell you you have to obey Biden and this communist Nazi Islamic regime that has conquered and taken over and overthrown America and overthrown Trump, you got to pay your taxes. you got to pay your federal taxes. you got to obey every word that comes out of their mouth, even the vaccines. And some of them would say, well, all of that is up for the vaccine. That's pretty hypocritical, ain't it? because the Bible says you have to obey the kings, even the wicked kings. It does say that. But then they ignore that Jeremiah was called to destroy nations, to pour down, to pluck up. The reality is that there are exceptions, and many of the laws, especially, things that Paul said have to be considered that there are exceptions. There are time to embrace, there is a time to love and embrace, and there's a time to push away. There's time to live and there's time to die. There's time to rejoice and there's time to cry. There's time for everything under the sun, including rebellion. Amen. And resistance. There is a time for it. Amen. Even Paul himself was an outlaw this very same man that says to obey the wicked king he himself disobeyed the law repeatedly when he said <laughs> we forbid you to go and preach in jesus name he disobeyed repeatedly amen and even peter broke out of jail When the angel freed him, Peter walked out and left. Amen. God is good. Amen. The Americans won an impossible war to end because God did bless those men who were outlaws, who were. Definitely called and ordained and empowered and blessed and anointed by God to form a new nation to pull down and destroy the British government in America and to build and plant a new nation of the tribe of Manasseh and the Americas with the help of the slaves And these were men that believed in slavery and had slaves, even as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all had slaves. And God blessed them. God blessed these men. George Washington, who had slaves, God blessed him and his men and his military and his army. And is truly a man to look up to and to honor to this very day. People want to pull down the statues of Columbus and Washington and yet keep statues and erect new statues of George Floyd, who is a drug addict and a criminal of evil degree that God never blessed, that God never called, that God never anointed, and make George Floyd. A hero to black people and Democrats and leftists and communists and Nazis and Muslims. And also, they keep the statues of Nelson Mandela, who was a murderer and a terrorist and a communist. And statues of Martin Luther King, who denied the divinity of Christ Jesus and was also a communist and a terrorist. people are very, very hypocritical. And they're brainwashed and they just take what they are baby fed and run with it. Instead of doing their own research, instead of questioning the narratives, instead of questioning their dictators, they just swallow it all and just totally, totally, totally brainwashed about who is righteous and who is wicked. And now they exalt and have been for decades and centuries exalting evil people like Mother Teresa and Gandhi and others that people quote constantly like if they're saints and they're not and what was the Catholic Francis from centuries ago that they still quote today and, and honor him and, and, and lift him up on a pedestal like he was God or some saint, and he was not, he was a demon. He was demonic in every way. Do you not understand that the white horse man comes with the appearance of righteousness and holiness, but he has a heart of war. That is the spirit of Antichrist, that is spirit of false religion, that is the spirit of the Nobel Peace Prize which Jamie Carter also won and people honor him and he was a communist and, and destroyed America in his day and time. Thank God that the governments of today and the kingdoms and nations and cities of today, they are temporary. And we, should have our hearts, our mind, and our uh, our allegiance to the kingdom of God, we must realize and embrace that the United States of America has already fallen. Already fallen. The dictatorship and regime that is right now in control of the American government American military they are not the nation that you was born in they it is no longer the America that was founded by our founding fathers we're no longer being ruled by the Constitution we no longer have a righteous Supreme Court we no longer have a president the United States does not exist it doesn't The United States does not exist. It has already been conquered entirely. We have no responsibility to pay the federal taxes into an illegal regime. That's why I'm saying America does not exist because the government is illegal. It is illegal. And it is a New World Order, communist, Nazi, Islamic, 666, Antichrist government. That is not our government. We are not citizens of Biden's kingdom. We have every right to boycott those subtle taxes of a kingdom that we do not belong to. But you say, well, God establishes kingdoms and destroys kingdoms, and we're supposed to be obedient even to the invaders. The thing is, we are in a very specific situation, a very specific end-time kingdom of the end-time Antichrist son of condition so it is different from any other situation that has ever existed we are in a new brand new situation we are in a situation where this illegal government wants to turn you into a robot literally and control your mind literally and track everywhere you go inside your body literally and control you literally, and kill you literally. To resist all of that is not being rebellious against God, but is enacting what God has already given us, the spirit of survival, the spirit of the the will to live. That is God's presence. That is God's essence. The law of nature of wanting to survive, of not wanting to be branded like cattle. We should not willingly, willingly surrender to a antichrist in time 666 government. It is a different situation than what they were living in under the time of uh, Paul of the Roman Empire. Which was only a foreshadowing, which they could not understand. Paul didn't understand a lot of things because he was not living in our day and our time when even Daniel could not understand. Even Daniel said, I do not understand. The books were sealed, and the seals were sealed, and the knowledge that we now have were all. Filled up until our time. Now, the curtains are being rolled back and we can see things that Paul could never see or understand. There is now new revelation. Moses wrote things that nobody before him had written. Paul wrote things that nobody before him had written. Philo wrote things in the book of Hebrews that nobody before him had written. It is time now for the end-time apostle, the end-time prophet, to write things and speak things and teach things that nobody before had taught because the seals are open. Now prophecy and end-time knowledge is available to us that people in previous generations and previous books could not understand so today we announce a new book the Spanish translation of the New Testament of the Alpha and Omega Bible will be released today praise God El Eluji El The Spanish translation of the New Testament of the Alpha and Omega Bible will be released this day of the first day of the Fiesta of Tabernacles. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise God. God is great. Amen. Praise God. God is good. Amen. Let's turn to the book of nineteen, Matthew nineteen. Matthew, Matthew chapter nineteen. Praise God. Matthew nineteen, verse twenty nine now we're going to move forward to that there are temporary seasons in our life for relationships temporary seasons in life for relationships Matthew 19 there's 29 and it is page 29 also page 29 darling Matthew 19, verse 29. And everyone who has left houses, which are temporary, and brothers or sisters or dad or mom or children or farms, for my name's sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. Amen. Praise God. Think about this because it says anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or even your parents mom and dad or even your children or farms for my name's sake they will receive many more things and even eternal life in other words god will bless those that choose him first over and above anyone and anything. Amen. And yet, I've had people tell me, well, the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Therefore, I have to never forsake my father and my mother, and I have to take care of them until the day they die. I have to live with them and take care of them. I have to do everything for them because the Bible says, honor your father and your mother. Even though, even though my mommy is worshiping the devil. I still must take care of her. I must still honor her, respect her, and take care of her. Bull crap. Bull crap. If the Bible really commanded you to never, ever, ever, under any situation, under any circumstance, even if they're worshiping the devil, you must stay and continue to take care of that person. If the Bible really commanded that, then why does it say right here that if you leave your mom for Christ's sake, then God will bless you? Why does it say that? If God commands you to stay with a woman that that, that honors the devil. The reality is if a person is continuing to support the Pope, Pope Francis, and will absolutely refuses to rebuke him and denounce him, if they don't say that Pope Francis is demonic and is a sinner and should not be honored or respected in any way, shape, or form, if they don't say that, then they're demonic. Amen? Anyone that can't say that Pope Francis is demonic, anyone that can't admit and confess and say to anyone in their life they can't say it to themselves they can't say it to God they can't say it to their children they can't say it to their friends if they can't say it to the priests if they can't say that Pope Francis should not be honored should not be respected should not be obeyed then they are not worthy of the kingdom and you should not be living with such a person Amen. I don't care if they're Catholic or not Catholic. If they can't say those words, then you should not be shaking hands with that person. You should not be living with that person. You should not be friends with that person. Amen. Be careful who you call a friend. Be careful who you call a brother. Be careful who you call a sister. Be careful who you call your mom and your dad. Amen. Even Jesus, he had a holy woman as his mother, a good woman, a righteous one, a woman. But he said, when she came to see him, and the disciples said, your mom is here to see you. He said, who is? my brother who is my mom but the one that does the will of my father in heaven he is the one that is my brother he is the one that is my mother he wasn't denouncing mary because she was a righteous one but he was trying to get his disciples to understand that our true mom our true sisters our true brothers our true dads is the church the body of Christ I, I am a spiritual dad to all of you all of you I am a spiritual dad to you and a spiritual brother to you at the same time amen we've got to be careful who we call mom and dad and brother because just because we were born in this temporary body don't mean that we should be unequally yoked and unequally bonded bonded with these people that are worshiping demons. And I do back up my words with action. I do not speak to my own mom and my own brother. I do not speak with them. won't have nothing to do with them. And when my dad died, I did not go to the funeral. And I had not spoken to him for years before he died. And when my mom goes in the sickbed, if I know about it, I will not go. When my brother goes to the sickbed, if I know about it, I will not go. Because these people are demonic. I'm not just saying they're lost, I'm saying they're demonic, which is beyond loss. It is a new magnitude, it's a greater magnitude than just being lost. I have no problem with having lost friends. I have friends that are lost, that if I was to see them today, I would run and hug them because I love them so much. And I would invite them in and say, here, you want a beer? Or here, you want a mixed drink? i would love to see some of my lost friends today and i'd be like hey today is party day come on in but there are some people that are beyond loss and they are just totally wicked and wicked people i will not invite them i understand one sense in one sense yes all lost people are wicked. but there are magnitudes there are magnitudes there are different measures of wickedness so I hope that you understand what I'm saying we can't leave the entire world we can't just slap in the face every person we meet out there just cause they're all lost there's different magnitudes of wickedness we have to associate with the world to some degree that we don't have to associate with really wicked people so even our families are temporary. And our real family is the body of Christ. And I, I, I would that some of you would start understanding that our real family is the body of Christ. And that God does not expect anyone to continue to support and be with wicked people. Amen. And anybody that stays in the Catholic Church is demonic and wicked. Anyone that will not. Forsake the Catholic Church, no matter what Pope Francis says and no matter what Pope Francis does, that they will not leave the Catholic Church. That is a wicked person, more than just lost. They are wicked. Amen. Let's turn to the book of uh, Luke 14, Luke chapter 14. Verse twenty nine, Luke fourteen, verse twenty six, actually, Luke fourteen, verse twenty six. That's page 86, Luke 14, verse 26. If anyone comes to me and is not willing to, when necessary, if they're not willing to forsake his own dad and mom and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He can't be my disciple. That means you can't be saved. That means you cannot be a follower of Christ unless you're willing to, if and when put in that situation. That doesn't mean that every one of us has to forsake everyone in your life. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your husband, your wife, your children. It doesn't mean everyone. But it means if and when that such a situation came up in your situation in your life. To where that that was needful to forsake your husband or if it was needful to forsake your wife or your children or a friend or somebody and you're not willing to then you're not worthy of the kingdom not worthy of the kingdom and you're not saved and you're not a follower of Christ not a true follower of Christ this is very clear babylon the synagogue of Satan teaches you that you can never divorce for any reason that a man and woman must always stay together even if the man is abusive even if the woman is cheating on the man even no matter what the situation is no divorce that's really silly and ridiculous and demonic Because the truth is, if a woman is cheating on her husband, she deserves to be divorced. Because that's nasty for a woman to get out there and whore around against her husband's will and outside of her bond or holy matrimony with her husband. A woman is only allowed one husband at a time. That is very biblical, that's very clear in Scripture, very, 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 very clear in Scripture. And I say at a time, I mean until he dies or that she is released by God from that man. And there are reasons why she may be released by God before he dies, such as a a major, major physical abuse. I'm not talking about punishment, I'm talking about major violence if he is conducting major violence against her she's free to leave that man absolutely and be married to another man because that's the nature of God because that is the nature of God amen you got to think of things spiritually amen you got to know and come to understand the nature of God <clears throat> and If your husband, on the other hand, many women out there are in marriages where they are married to men who don't really trust God, who doesn't keep the commandments, who has not committed to keeping the seventh day, have not committed to keeping the holy days, their job, whatever job it is, their job is over and above God. They refuse to stay committed to Christ Jesus to keep the Sabbath no matter what. They are not surrendered to God. Therefore, they are not saved. And yet, these women are under this delusion, this strong delusion, that they must stay in bondage to that lawless, rebellious man who is not serving the Lord, and that they must stay married to that man all the days of their life, no matter what. And that is not the nature of God because the nature of God is that you are to put God first and you are not to be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever or uncommitted person when it says unbeliever it's talking about unrighteousness and I believe even so unrighteousness as well especially when you translate it correctly and unfaithful to God we're not to be unequally yoked with such people in marriage you're not You are not to be unequally yoked with such a person in marriage. It is not God's will. Amen. You've got to consider every verse of the Bible. And yet people want to focus only on one verse. What about this other verse, Pastor Tim? What about this other verse that God says this, that God says this? And yet you're ignoring everything else about not being unequally yoked and about the nature of God and the will of God. And the verse here that we're examining right now in Luke 14, you ignore that one as well. We must be willing to forsake. Even though the word husband is not here, the word wife is here. So the nature of God is that it is the same. It is the same. If God expects us, to be willing to forsake mom and dad and children and houses and land and farms. And if God is uh, wanting us to be willing to forsake life, if God is wanting us to be willing to forsake anyone, then that's anyone, even our own children. Think about that, it says children here. And yet, people wanna go by the letter of the law Letter of the law, that's the A, the B, the C, the D, the E. It don't say husband, therefore we can't forsake husband. That's stupid. That's silly. Amen. It says you're, all, you're even supposed to forsake even children. Then common sense is when it says wives, that includes any spouse, husband or wife, either one. Amen you got to be with the nature of God is that you must be willing to forsake anyone, man, woman, or child. You must be willing if that is the situation. You must be willing to forsake anyone, anyone. That is the spirit of this sentence, is it not? That's the spirit of this sentence, is it not? Amen. So even our families and even our marriages sometimes are temporary. There are temporary seasons in our life for physical families and friends and jobs and financial success, temporary girlfriends, temporary husbands and relationships. We have to put God first. There's really no exception to that one. That's the first commandment. God first and if we say that we're not willing to forsake a human even though they are not committed to God in the keeping of the Sabbath they're not keeping committed to God in the commandments the holy days and we're still going to stay with them they, we are lifting that person up as God especially when it's the context of a woman married to a man that is not committed to God, that is lifting up that husband as a God to you because he's the only one that you won't forsake. That's lifting him up as a God. And I'm gonna move quickly now. Temporary seasons of what God has told you. Temporary seasons of what God has told you. I know at one time I was not talking to my family, but then I felt like that God said to go and forgive them and go and talk to them and associate with them again give them another chance give them another opportunity and I did and I tried I was there and I tried to support them and love them and encourage them and love upon them but they they did never change they never changed they continued to treat me like a dog until I could not bear it any longer and had to walk away again and when that occurred God came to me in a powerful way multiple times to say you don't have to tolerate it you don't have to leave you do not have to let them treat you like a dog it's okay to walk away it's okay to forsake them it's okay to not go back and talk to them no more even though I felt that God had said go back and associate with them again That was only for a season of time until they again proved themselves not worthy, and that they had not changed and will not change. That they're really not capable of changing, because they're more than just lost; they are truly wicked. So there are seasons of time of what God has told you. There's even a biblical example of this, of the unclean animals. When the animals went to the Noah's Ark, there was clean and unclean animals because the Bible says that the unclean animals went in by twos, one male and one female. But the clean animals went in by sevens, seven couples, so it'd be seven males and seven females for the clean animals that they could actually eat during their journey while they was on the Ark. They had to eat. They were eating some of the animals. People think all the animals on the ark, every one of them survived the trip and came off the ark. People think that. But the truth is they were, they were coming to their death. <laughs> they were coming to be eaten for the journey as far as the claim ones. And of course, there would there would be at least one male and one female that would survive, that they would not eat, of course, to uh, keep the survival of those species alive for the new world. Of course, they would save back one male, one female. But when it was a clean animal, there's seven males and seven females, they were definitely eating them for the journey, and for just leaving one of each, one male, one female. So there was unclean animals when they entered the ark. But when they came off the ark, God said to Noah, that everything that moves shall be food for you everything he made no exceptions everything no exceptions so when they went into the ark obviously there had been some word of God before that don't eat the pig but when they came off the ark everything that moves is food for you yes you can eat the pig I And mean, then hundreds or thousands, however much time passed. Moses is born, grew up to be a man, and then God says, okay, there's unclean animals again. And then Jesus comes and cleanses them again. So this law of clean and unclean animals has gone back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, seasons of time of what God has said. You can't eat them before they come on the ark, They come off the ark. You can eat them. Moses starts leading the tribes of Israel. You can't eat them no more. Jesus comes. You can eat them. And people would say, well, God is contradicting himself. It's not contradiction when there are seasons and times to do certain things. And there is a season of time. When you might even ask a lost person to pray for you, even though the Bible says that God does not hear the prayers of the lost. It says that multiple times, even more than twice in the Bible, that God does not hear the the prayers of sinners. He does not hear them. He doesn't pay any attention to them. That's what that means. Of course he hears them. Of course he hears everything. But that means he does not pay attention to him he does not positively answer the prayers of sinners but yet when a person comes first comes into the knowledge of the truth and they, they join our social media group and they start calling me they start texting me they start emailing me and I'll start befriending them and they start befriending me and we're starting to become family and we're learning one another and growing in a spiritual relationship I am embracing that person into my family. I start treating them as if they're my family, even though they're not saved yet until they get baptized. But I start thinking of them as my family. I start loving them, and I start thinking of them as if they're saved, even though I know they're not. They're not, and therefore I'm, of course, going to say. Pray for me, and I'm praying for you, and you're praying for me, and I appreciate your prayers. But the reality is, I know subliminally, somewhere in the back of my head, I know that God is not really hearing and answering their prayers until they surrender to God. Am I contradicting myself? Maybe, to a sense, but not to the sense where I'm being a hypocrite or where I'm lying or where I'm treating somebody wrong, or I'm killing somebody, or murdering somebody. I'm just being human and trying to give people opportunity and a chance to grow, and I'm trying to love on the person to feel like they are being embraced and accepted, which they are. Amen. Amen. But if I see that that person is holding back on God and they're already acting like they're saved and they act like they're some mighty warrior for the Lord when they're not even saved yet and they think they can call legions of angels and they're not even saved yet, then I have to call them out and say, okay, whoa, whoa there, buddy, whoa there. You have no power over the angels. You're not even saved yet. Slow down. Humble yourself. God is not even hearing your prayers. God does not answer your prayers because you're not even saved yet. I'm not being hypocritical. What I'm doing is being real. Amen. Thank you, brother. john 9 verse 31 is where it says that we know that theos does not hear sinners he does not amen and when it says sinners, it's talking about people that are lost even though you might already be embracing terms of truth you are still consider you are still considered to be under that category Again, a sinner until until you're baptized and then I'm talking about baptism in truth baptism that is performed by somebody that has the authority of the Lord somebody that knows the truth that somebody that preaches the truth not being baptized by a fool not being baptized by a Christmas a demonic Easter Sunday Trinity that's not baptism in truth that's not baptism in jesus christ that's baptism in satan do you not understand that how can you say you baptized you might be baptized but you're not baptized in christ a person that is worshiping the devil with christmas and easter and the trinity and sunday that's not baptism in christ that's baptism in satan That's baptism into the synagogue of Satan. That's baptism into the church of the Roman Catholic Empire. That is what that is. That's not baptism in Christ. And until we are baptized in Christ, we are under the category as sinners. But once we are born again through baptism, we are no longer sinners. We might make a mistake and sin, as that is human, But we are not called sinners anymore, and we should not call ourselves sinners anymore once we are baptized in Christ because we are no longer a person that practices sin on a daily basis. We are no longer a person that is expert in sinning and practicing sinning as a lifestyle. Therefore, we are not sinners in Christ. Is there any such thing as a sinner in Christ? then why are you calling yourself a sinner? There's no such thing as a sinner in Christ. Amen. Amen. So, the church needs to get saved. Amen. The church needs to get saved. But there are seasons in our lives that are temporary, even things that God has told us. Even seasons of when, maybe at one time, God may have wanted us to go to a Babylonian church because that's what we needed at the time. But sooner or later, we're gonna get sick and tired of the false doctrines. Sooner or later, we're gonna have to say, you know what, I cannot deal with the hypocrisy of babylon anymore Amen. you've got to get to that point if you don't get to that point then you're not saved amen you've got to get to that point that you no longer tolerate being inside the center god of satan god may have wanted you to go there for a certain time in a certain season for that season of your life maybe perhaps but that's over with. That season is gone because God has now brought you out of Babylon. God has now revealed the truth to you. God has woken your eyes. It is no longer the season to stay in Babylon. It is no longer to stay in bondages to deception and bondage to unrighteous people and bondages to people that will not surrender to God, and they won't. Until the great tribulation comes. We've got to live in reality, people. We can love people to death. We can hope to death. We can wish to death. We can say, you know, I'm not going to give up for a certain person. But the reality is that some of the people we love husbands, wives, children, parents, friends there are certain people that we love that just are not going to surrender to Christ until God slaps that person down into the ground, until there's a nuclear bomb, until they are captured by the enemy, until something huge, dramatic happens to them. And by then, we're, going, we're not going to be there waiting on them. Amen. we're not going to be there waiting on that person. we got to move forward. We've got to look after ourselves. We've got to think of our own survival and our own salvation. We can't wait forever for these people. We've got to move on with our lives. Amen. God is calling us for greater things. What if Lot, Abraham's nephew, had stayed with his wife that was looking back? Amen. She didn't want to leave. She wanted to stay in Babylon. She wanted to stay in Sodom and Gomorrah. She wanted to stay with the homosexuals and the sinners. She didn't want to change her life. She didn't want to leave that city. The city was her treasure. Amen. So if a person is... Acknowledging the truth and committed to the truth, that's one thing. But if a person is not committed to keeping the Sabbath and attending the worship services and and, and calling out evil, if the person is not willing to say that Pope Francis is evil, if the person is not, if not willing to say that we should not coexist with the Catholic Church and we should not coexist with devil worshipers, if they're not willing to say that, then the truth is that person is not worthy to be your friend. They're not worthy of your pearls. The Bible says, cast not your pearls before swine. you got to be careful who you witness to. you got to be careful who you share things with because the reality is that time is so short That we do have to think about how we use our time and how we prioritize our time people think i'm being unloving and uncaring and uncompassionate when i say people are wasting my time but the reality is even the bible says that it is high time that we awake and to use the day while it's still day and not dark and to realize what time it is even the bible tells us this we have got To use our time wisely, it says make the most of your time. It says that. Make the most of your time. We're not making the most of our time if we're wasting it on people who are continually resisting and not accepting a very basic commandment of the fourth commandment. Very basic, very elementary. Even a baby can understand the fourth commandment. You count one to seven. <clears throat> if your baby, if your toddler, if your young child, maybe five, six, seven years old, can count to seven, then even a baby can understand it. <clears throat> you count to seven. You start with Sunday. Look at the calendar. Amen. Some, some calendars are corrupted to where they start the week on Monday, but most calendars are accurate to say that Sunday is the first day of the week, and you just count across across it. It's simple. If a person cannot understand something that is so basic, then then how do you think they're going to understand and embrace and believe in anything else? The Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. If they cannot accept such a basic commandment, How do you think that they are going to accept and embrace and live in the truth and surrender to the truth on deeper things, deeper things? Come on now, amen? And even time itself, as we move forward in this sermon, even time itself is temporary. In paradise, there'll be no more time. It's going to be eternity there won't be segments of time of a 24-hour day day and night and winter and summer there'll be no more seasons there'll be no more temporary amen there'll be no more temporary seasons of summer and winter and spring and fall and and and, and temporary things even time would not exist in eternity the Bible says, tells us in Revelation 20 and 21 that there will even no longer be a need for the sun and the moon. That's how we tell time is the sun and the moon. So there will be no more time. And there will be no more holy days. There will be no more keeping of the Sabbath and the rest days and the commanded days of worship because there will be no time in eternity. Amen. But the law, the commandments, the Sabbath, and the prophets will not cease until heaven and earth pass away. The Sabbath will not cease to exist. The law, the commandments, the prophets will not cease to exist until the current world is devoured with fire, the lake of fire, the presence of God. To remodel the earth, to bring in a newly remodeled earth and a newly remodeled universe. That's what it means by heaven. A newly remodeled universe. It's the same universe. It's the same earth. The Bible says the earth will abide forever. Forever. It's going to be the same earth, but newly remodeled. And until then, there's still time. There is still the Sabbath. And then finally, Matthew 10, verse 28. Matthew 10, verse 28. For our final point, Matthew 10, verse 28. Do not fear those who murder the body, but are unable to kill the soul but rather fear him him who is able to completely destroy both soul and body in Jehenna. That right there tells us that both the body and the soul both can be destroyed. So even the soul is not immortal. The churches of synagogue of Satan teaches you that we all have an immortal soul, that everybody is going to live forever in either heaven or hell, that your soul is immortal, it cannot die, it will live forever, either in hell or heaven. But the Bible says that God is able to, which means he will destroy the wicked, both their soul and body, both will be destroyed in the lake of fire, both. So even the soul can be temporary we have to put on immortal life 1 corinthians 15 the resurrection chapter teaches us that we are mortal and it says that this mortal must put on immortality amen you are not immortal you have to receive immortality you have to receive eternal life and the book of john Says, it might be John 6, that says that unless you eat and drink of the body and the blood of Christ, which means communion, that is very sophisticated to pass over communion. That's the only way you can eat and drink the body and the blood of Christ, is only through Passover communion. Only Passover communion. Not Sunday communion. Not Christmas communion. Not Easter communion. Not Every week communion, not every month, not every two weeks, not every three weeks, but only Passover communion. That is the only way, and only if you're truly saved, and only if you're truly baptized in Christ, and and then still do that communion on Passover. Only then it says that you have eternal life. It says unless you do this, you have no life in you. That means you're not saved. And even the angels that are wicked, the fallen angels, and even Satan himself will be thrown in the lake of fire and perish. Revelation 20 and 21 tells us that even Satan himself will be cast into that, will perish. People think that Satan's going to live forever, people think that the wicked will live forever. Well, the Bible is clear that Satan does die. So, how in the hell? And I'm going to say it that way because it's that extreme. I'm just going to say, yes, it's cussing, but how in hell are people living in hell forever and ever, yet Satan dies, but the follower of Satan lives longer than Satan? That don't make no sense at all. The soul of Satan and the soul of the fallen angels and the soul of the wicked humans, all of them will perish. How in the hell are you going to have paradise and yet Satan lives forever and the fallen angels live forever and the wicked people live forever? That don't make no sense. It's time to grow up and be able to handle stronger adult language. It's time to grow up To be able to handle stronger language, adult language, within the right balance and the right context, we have to not go overboard too much. And get out of these fairy tales, fairy tales that Alexander, the so-called great Greek conqueror came in and ushered in and Hellenized the people. Have you ever seen that word Hellenized? It says the Greek the Greek conqueror Alexander the Great Hellenized the people. There's a reason it's called that. And even though the history books don't make the connection. But the truth is that there is documentation that he taught and spread the doctrine of eternal hell. He was largely responsible for that teaching of people embracing that fairy tale that people's gonna live forever and then also Dante's Inferno as well. Was a major uh, influencer of people like that, the, the book or poem, whatever it was, book, right? of Dante's Inferno was also largely responsible for that fairy tale. Uh, But we gotta come out of these fairy tales. Amen. Read the Bible, believe it, and read all of it and stop focusing on one verse. Don't be stuck on one verse. Read all the other verses that are also relevant and add it all up. The Bible says something like this, that the, the sum of God's word is truth. The sum of it, that means the total, if you add it all up. You have to add it all up. you got to consider all the different verses in order to fully understand and have the correct doctrine. Amen. We do not believe in one-verse theology. We should not go by one verse consider every verse that is relevant to a topic consider every verse that is relevant to a topic and consider the whole picture the whole picture rather than just one verse amen okay so we're going to try to get the uh, spanish new testament uploaded sometime today when that occurs when we have that uploaded to the website we will put a special announcement on the media group and we'll try to get even a newsletter sent out for the first time in months to announce the spanish translation so hopefully we can get all that done today god willing is there anybody going to type in any questions and as you type i will ask uh, the local congregation, if they have anything to say or to add, or if there's any questions here, and meanwhile the people over the internet feel free to type in any questions or comments, or testimonies, or anything, or dreams, or visions, or anything you want to share, to type them into the chat room if you are signed in. Okay, Brother Gerald, do you got anything? It's not all, sometimes there are coincidences and sometimes there aren't. When I went to buy a bunch of snacks in the grocery store the other day, the bill was exactly $22 and I got it in Fiesta bag for (laughs) the Fiesta Tabernacle. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for showing me that. So he showed me the grocery bag where he went to get the snacks for the Fiesta and the total price of the shopping trip was $22 exactly Exactly. $22 exactly and you know that 22 is one of the major the most major number that God uses to show me things and to confirm things so his order was $22 for these snacks and they put it in a grocery bag that says only one word fiesta is written on the grocery bag so here He's got a bag of Fiesta chips in a Fiesta bag. Ain't that awesome? Again, if we are people of faith who believe that God is powerful, that God works miracles, and when something is so perfectly aligned to what we are currently talking about or currently doing, then faith demands. To give God credit faith demands that we give God credit for miracles when there is perfect alignment of time and space amen so say the the perfect distance between earth and the Sun if it was just a little bit closer to the Sun or just a little bit farther away from the Sun we could not live on earth it would be impossible so is that coincidence or are we going to be people of faith who knows that god is all-powerful is the great architect of humanity and of the planets and he perfectly aligned the earth in the perfect position of time and space to make it happen and so it's the same thing with a fiesta bag for the snacks, for the fiesta, and the total being $22 exactly. It's the same thing with on TV last night, them showing people camping inside, indoors, which is what I just told people to do. And you don't see that every day. You don't see that every day on TV or every week on TV or every month on TV. You never see that on TV, people camping inside And, and people using sheets on the bed to do it, which is exactly what I tell people to do. A perfect alignment of time and space that matches what God is saying, what God is doing. We are people of faith. And faith demands, we give God credit for it. Amen. Amen. God is good. Anything else? And we'll see you all on Saturday, the seventh day. And remember that next Thursday is also a Sabbath, next Thursday. And we'll be having special services on that day next Thursday. Now, the services for Saturday is still going to be 2 o'clock. Okay, 2 o'clock every Saturday, but all the holy days are going to be 11 o'clock Eastern time. All the holy days except for if it falls on a Saturday, then we might still have it at 2 o'clock. But we'll, we'll work with that. If we do have a holy day falling on Saturday, we might move it to 11. But we'll work with that if and when that happens. We're not gonna have holy day services at seven in the morning no more, because I can't handle that, okay? And we have to deal with what I can handle, because I have to be able to stand the whole time that I'm preaching. I have to have the energy. I have to have the strength. And so I I ask for your understanding and your forbearance because I know that 7 in the morning would be better for you. But I can't preach if I can't preach. I've got to have the strength and the energy to do it. Okay? So please understand that. Uh, But 2 o'clock Saturday. Amen. God is good. And I'll see you Saturday at 2 o'clock Eastern Time. And we we'll to try to get the Spanish translation up today. Talk to y'all later. God bless all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, and I'm going to blow the so far. I'm not going to blow it. I'm just going to play it. <laughs> I ain't got the wind to blow it. I'm just going to play the so far uh, as a sound bite on the computer. And then I would disconnect. love you brother meekness and sister amanda and everyone else god bless you all amen lucky land casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky lucky in line at the deli i guess aha in my dentist's office